Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast The Brief, the weekly show about politics. I'm Marcos Molitzis. I'm here with Kerry Aliveld, and today we're going to be talking about the Republican Civil War. And it is a doozy. These guys are not pretending anymore. We have a Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump wing, and a Mitch McConnell, Senate Republicans wing. And what we have is a situation where, where yes, what, what Tucker Carlson's doing and what Donald Trump are doing is, is beyond the pale. But it's not Republicans pushing. I mean, it's not Democrats pushing back. It's not, it's not like the media pushing back. It's other Republicans. I mean, we can actually sit back, have our bag of popcorn, soda, and, yeah. and enjoy the show. Because, Carrie, have we ever seen anything like this in I modern mean, politics? You know, I just have to say, Trump is just the the gift that keeps on giving. And um, I don't want to get overly animated today because I'm still on the path to recovery. And I might just like break out in a fit of coughing spasms if I laugh too hard. But <laughs> the CPAC event, which happened, the, con- the conservative uh, political you know, action committee uh, conference. Yeah, political action committee conference. Right. And that has been totally mogified. It's all Trump now. It used to be, you know, young sort of grassroots activists, you know, to some extent. But like, you know, it it represented a younger, fresher um, audience for Republicans. And now it is just all Trump. It's all Trump. Um, And then, you know, DeSantis skipped it. So anybody that's not in the Trump orbit. Right. Was not welcome there. Right, exactly. Not welcome there. And DeSantis, you know, smartly probably skipped it because there's no good place for him there, really. And um, and, you know, and he he did his own fundraiser with like well-heeled donors out in California, about a thousand of them, um, but so that he would have something that he was doing uh, besides just skipping CPAC. But, you know, and then you have you have this you have the Tucker Carlson you know, it's almost like there's like a Tucker Carlson wing of Fox. And, you know, he comes out with this totally whitewashed um, footage of January 6th after House Speaker Kevin McCarthy gave him unfettered access to all of this footage from January 6th. And I just have to say, it's a security nightmare. Just on just just let's just start with that. It's a security nightmare that all of this footage would have be, been given to pro Pooty. Uh, Tucker Carlson, right? He it, it that when Janu- when the January 6th committee aired the footage that they aired from January 6th, they passed all of it by I think the FBI and maybe the Capitol Police before they did it to make sure that the camera angles that they were using the you know that type of stuff wasn't going to give away the game on where all the cameras were, where all the security stuff is. The um, process to, and how to evacuate hallways exactly, and doors that maybe people don't know exist. Right. right. So Kevin McCarthy, probably because he was, you know, this is one of the deals he made with Marjorie Taylor Greene, just hands over all the foot all the footage to to Kevin to I'm sorry to Tucker Carlson exclusively. So couldn't explain why though. Anime. Yeah, yeah. Nobody can, he could he couldn't justify the reason why. Oh, the American people. No, American. It's not about the American people. You could have released it to CNN if it was the American people. Right. So then you've got the Senate Republicans all up in arms because I mean, most of the Senate Republicans, because they can't they can't afford to be, you know, part and parcel of the crazy wing of the House maniacs um, if they're going to win some of these, you know, 
elections in statewide, you know, statewide elections in swingy states. Um, and they have a clear path to taking the majority in, in 2024. Uh, and yet, you know, Trump and his cohort, all of his MAGA allies could still ruin it for them, just like they did in 2022. And then and then on finally, you've got <clears throat> these are the three areas we're sort of going to cover today. You know, Trump at CPAC, this whitewashing of the um, of the January 6th. Uh, insurrection and, you know, deadly January 6th insurrection and the McConnell reaction of the McConnell wing to it. And then finally, the never Trumpers who are a pretty sad lot who've been reduced and sort of banished from their party have no path forward, don't know how they're going to, you know, if the, if the party's even salvageable and what their, what kind of political future they have, where they have any sort of political home, because they really don't, they're, they had their own event, the Principles Summit over the uh, over the yeah right Principles First Summit I think over the weekend, and you know that was like a pity party, but at the same time, you know they, they the one thing they could delight in was how badly all of Donald Trump's candidates did the MAGA you know the MAGA cohort of candidates did in the midterms. So here, here, this is the Republican party. Like this is what's left the, it's just like everybody it's, it is mayhem. Um, so let's start so, at the wait, top. Wait, Carrie, I, I, yeah. I, I wanted to sort of underscore that because the old Republican party, it was, it was never a unified Republican party. There was factions and, and we saw that in every primary election. So the old Republican party was the establishment wing. They all, all they cared about was lower taxes, right? They don't care about nothing else. There was the, uh, and, the and the neocons and the neocons. The, oh yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. you're 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 adding yeah. them all up together. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. the Please. the and, and the neocons were really part of the establishment. So it was it was all like think tankers and you know the the respectable DC kind of Republicans. Then you had the religious Republicans. You know the the you know Huckabee, Ted Cruz. You know trying to inject religion in public. Yeah, exactly. And then you had the Tea Party. Back then, it was the Tea Party. So it right. was the Sarah Palin, you know, um, populists. Mm-hmm. And the this is we've seen an evolution from that. So can you reiterate your breakdown of the modern Republican Party? We still have the establishment wing. Yeah, I mean, I so I go back and forth. I have to admit, the establishment wing is what most people refer to as Mitch McConnell and his allies, right? People who. Um, I mean, let's be clear. They did as much to ruin the Republican Party as anyone because they let Trump walk all over it and never did anything they, about yeah, it. Including... They broke the Senate. I mean, it, yeah. we can go on and on. The reason yeah, we can go on and on is because of Mitch McConnell. But but yes, but they're not quite as crazy. Is that true? <laughs> oh, it's all relative. <laughs> OK, sorry. It's true. It's true. I scratched it's... that from the record. No, sorry. So. Here, here's they only care some... about tax cuts. They are happy to use the right. fundies to get their tax cuts, and that's right. the they, un, their undoing. They really only care about power and tax cuts. Um, that is it. You know, you can now you can find Mitch McConnell making common cause sometimes with like President Joe Biden on Ukraine. That's you know, I mean, there there are some things that he can actually find agreement with Democrats on. It's weird. Then there's then so it's weird. I kind of 
shy away sometimes now from calling it the establishment, even though everybody's kind of used to that. Because truth be told, Trump is the establishment of the Republican Party now. The McConnell wing, the establishment wing, has been relegated to very little. They represent very little of the electorate. They um, they still have money and power with the, with a lot of donors, um, but they weren't able to leverage any of their power in order to get the uh, candidates they wanted in 2022. That was left completely to Trump. Trump pretty much owns most of the state parties, and that's where a lot of the establishment power comes from. Is being able to, you know, is being able to figure out well how how are you going to do the nominating process and and. And what kind of advantages are certain candidates going to get in the nominating process? So, so I actually see, even though Trump has totally painted himself as anti-establishment and seems to, you know, and wears that as sort of, you know, a, a, a cloak of, of pride, right? He's really GOP establishment at this point. There's far more people invested in voting for Donald Trump, being with Donald Trump, than, than there are the establishment wing of the parties. I mean, Mitch McConnell is like notoriously one of, if not the most, one of the most um, unpopular uh, yeah, for sure. lawmakers in the country. And then, of course, there's the never Trumpers, the anti-Trumpers, most of whom are pretty reality based. I mean, we we wouldn't agree with them on a lot of policies, but they're not science deniers for the most part. Um, they aren't election deniers for the most part. And they're mainly pro-democracy types. And I, I think of someone like Liz Cheney, who I agree with her on like almost nothing other than we have a constitution. When Joe Biden legitimately won the election, the peaceful transfer of power is absolutely necessary to maintaining this republic. And and those are the never Trumpers. You know, people we had Sarah Longwell on, I don't know, what, two or three episodes ago. She's a never Trumper. She identifies as an independent now, but you know she's kind of lost in the woods. She doesn't have a home. Um, yeah, she's, and yeah. The MAGA movement did a really good job of subsuming both the Christianist wing of the party, the fundies, and the Tea Party crowd. And it's still like shocks me just how effective Trump has been doing that, given his own obvious lack of religiosity. He doesn't believe in any god. He doesn't go to church. He doesn't even pretend to go to church. Uh, yet they've invested so much in him. And a lot of it is he delivered with the Supreme Court and, you know, and killing Roe v. Wade. But um, so, yeah, it's 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 been in it. It doesn't give a lot of room for the Ted Cruz's types to, you know, to mount the primary challenge, because right now Trump has that locked up. And we'll have a whole other episode on the dynamics of the Republican Party as it shakes out. But today we're right. going to be talking right. about. Uh, let's, well, let's let's listen to Trump at CPAC as he disparages what we used to think of as the establishment wing of the Republican Party, which is kind of like the the uh, the Mitch McConnell wing now is what I would think of it as. When we started this journey, a journey like there has never been before, there's never been anything like this. We had a Republican Party that was ruled by freaks, neocons, globalists, open border zealots and fools, but we are never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Carl Rove, and Jeb Bush. Aha, uh-huh. never going back, never going back. I mean, so let's, let, let me say one other thing, because what you brought up DeSantis, you know, Florida uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, who is really Trump's main rival at this point, at least in terms of the polling, name recognition, et cetera. 
when tr- anytime Trump talks about the establishment, Jeb Bush in particular, things like that, he is he is taking a um, a swipe at DeSantis because Jeb Bush. I don't know if you heard it, but Jeb Bush like gave this kind of like amazing endorsement of DeSantis um, two weekends ago and was like, he's, you know, he's a fresh face in the Republican Party and a new generation. And I think we're going to have change. I hope there's going to be change. And he's obviously talking about change away from Trump. But, you know, he, he, he gave him this sort of glowing Jeb Bush embrace of DeSantis. And I'm sure DeSantis people were like, uh oh, get on the horn to Jeb and tell him to walk that back ASAP <laughs> because that is a killer for us to have us painted as establishment Jeb type of candidacy, right? So sure enough, Jeb did a few days later say, oh, I wasn't endorsing him. I was just, you know, I was just saying nice things. Like, you know, it was absolutely, you know, I mean, the only thing he didn't say was, I endorse Ron DeSantis to be the next president of the United States. But short of that, he said everything else that he could have said. Um, So anyway, so now what Trump is busy doing is painting Ron DeSantis as a um, as an establishment type, a career politician, a guy who was in Congress before he was uh, governor of Florida and, you know, voted against took some Social Security votes like let's raise the age, let's cut it down. Um, You know, all of those all of those things that he's not he's no longer he's going to disavow all that stuff now. But Trump is going to paint him as this like kind of Jeb Bush establishment like guy who then turned on a dime and is, you know, and is totally inauthentic. Right. So anytime you hear Jeb Bush think, okay, that's a knock at Ron DeSantis right there. So and anyway, what, is glo- what is a globalist? <laughs> I mean, you know, you may as well have said George, I know you may as well have said George Soros. And yeah, I mean, it is. So, so you've got, uh, you've got, um, uh, Trump at CPAC there, right? And he's calling he's calling the the old establishment wing, the McConnell wing, freaks and fools, right? And everybody's kind of laughing along with that. Okay, so now let's just fast forward a few days. That was over the weekend. Then we get this Tucker Carlson footage of January sixth, which is like completely whitewashed. There are a few seconds here and there of like people kind of walking, you know, roaming the halls of the Capitol as a suggestion that there wasn't violence, people didn't die, officers weren't, you know, uh, weren't physically assaulted, um, et cetera. Like, I just want to be clear about what happened on January 6th. It was so bad that more than 999 people are facing federal or local charges 326 of them have been charged with assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers or employees. And 140 officers were assaulted at the Capitol on that day, including 60 Metropolitan Police officers, 80 Capitol Police officers. And people lost their lives. I mean, you know, one person, one MAGA person was shot. Brian Sicknick is a, um, was an officer who, Shortly after that, had a heart, suffered a heart attack, I think, or did it was it a brain aneurysm? I'm sorry, but he passed away, and and most likely directly related to what happened, um, the trauma of what happened on January 6th. And I apologize to him and his family for not knowing the exact cause of death, but 
I pretty much chalk it up to January 6th. So anyway, um, so you, so that was it was a serious event. And then Tucker Carlson releases this footage that makes it look like it was another walk in the park. There were a few, you know, may have been tourists. a few mis- tourists. Mis- what? There were What'd tourists. They were tourists. Oh, tourists. Right. Tourists. They yeah, were just having a big capital. Yeah. Right. And he, had, and he had video of just two people just casually strolling. And that was his big reveal because that was the only video of that of that entire right. evening it's these two people casually walking down the hallway casually walking down the hallway and then and then you have the the magaites of the republican party like marjorie taylor green saying thank you tucker carlson and senator ron johnson who's just been reelected and doesn't have to worry about reelection for six years saying tweeting out things like the truth is beginning to be revealed right okay but the core of Senate Republicans are aghast because this is, you know, this is a, a the, the election election denial, denial of things like January 6th and whatever. It failed miserably in 2022 and they know it. They're hyper aware of it. So let's cue up um, a, a couple senators immediate reaction to this uh, Tucker Carlson video which was um which was released on monday evening i think and it was the footage and um and we've here we've got uh these are all republican senators uh kevin kramer from north dakota tom tillis from north carolina and then you're going to hear mitch mcconnell taking the side of the capitol police i think that breaking through glass windows and doors to get into the united states capitol against the borders of police is, is a crime to somehow put that in the same category as a you know permitted peaceful protest is um is just a lie i think it's bull i was down there and i saw maybe a few tourists a few people who got caught up in things but when you see police barricades breached when you see police officers assaulted all of that or you had to be in close proximity to it if you were just a tourist you should have probably lined up at the visitor center and came in on an orderly basis with regard to the uh presentation on Fox News last night, I want to associate myself entirely with the opinion of the chief of the Capitol Police about what happened on January 6th. And the chief, I mean, there in that video, uh, Mitch McConnell is holding up a statement from the chief of the Capitol Police that was a, a, a total rebuttal. He has he has uh, up until now, that chief of, the, of police has tried to kind of stay out of the political, you know, uh, uh, maelstrom right. related to January 6th. And but today, today, uh-uh. he was like, I'm there's no way we're just going to let that stand when so many of our people got hurt. Um, and are still living with the trauma and the um, the PTSD from that day. So, um, so he came out with a strong statement rebutting it and saying how unconscionable it was. Um, the footage, the Tucker Carlson, you know, stroll, st- tourist stroll in the park type uh, video. So there we go. We've got uh, we've got. I mean, I, the the latest thing is. There was this kind of it was a little bit of a puff piece in the Washington Post. I mean, it wasn't exactly like a tongue, tongue, tongue bath, but about Republican Senator Steve Daines and how he was going to be able to bridge this divide during the, uh, you know, the 2024 elections between the McConnell wing 
that wants very electable senators to run or candidates to be senators to run. And Trump, who totally, you know, who picked complete losers down the line for Republicans in the midterms. And the idea was that Steve Daines, you know, has like um, a good relationship with people in the Trump orbit. Um, I think like Jared Kushner and some others uh, and that and that he was going to be able to like walk this line between finding the right candidates that would both please Trump and please McConnell. And, you know, this is Steve Daines is going to be running the uh, National Republican Senatorial Committee. So he's running the arm of the Senate Republicans that's going to be working on to to regain the majority in 2024. And the idea was that somehow he was going to be able to make peace between these two sides and settle on candidates that would be uh, that would be more electable than Trump's original candidates. And he was quoted in the piece as saying, I'm going to try to be forthright when I have misgivings. You know, I mean, I'm kind of ad-libbing this a little bit, but he's like, I really think that people appreciate the honesty, even if they agree with you. Oh, yes. Donald Trump. There's no one who appreciates honesty like <laughs> Donald Trump. I mean, that is just, you know, that that gets him every time. So, I mean, this is it's just laughable. It's just laughable. I don't know. Do you want to weigh in here? I've been talking a long time. Uh, you've been absolutely great, and you're 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 spinning a, a great yarn. I mean, this is a great story, and uh, the Republican, um, yeah, this, this divide is 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 pretty much un, unbreachable, unreachable. To imagine that you have Donald Trump, who's literally cost him three elections in a row. They lost 2018. They lost everything in 2018. They, he lost re-election, which incumbent presidents just do not do very often. 2022, you got all the conditions you need. You have the inflation, high uh, gas prices. Joe Biden's approval rating is in the high 30s, low 40s, not, not, not looking so hot. And uh, it has all the proper conditions for, another, for a wave election, which is typically what happens in a midterm election. And, uh, and they lose it. Yeah, okay, they won the House by a sliver because of redistricting, not because they actually won more votes. They, they drew themselves slightly better districts that allowed them to, to win. And there was a drop-off in voting in New York and California uh, amongst liberals, and that cost us in a lot of really close races in both those states. It's not going to happen in 2024. I mean, the House, I'm pretty confident, is going to go our way. But you have a party that, that three elections in a row they've lost because of Donald Trump's presence uh, and then also have lost because of focusing on, you know, the sexuality of M&M cartoon candies and uh, Dr. Seuss something or other. And particularly college educated suburban voters, women, but I, I, we've seen hints that maybe even college educated suburban white men maybe starting to, to feel a little antsy about the direction of the Republican Party. And here you have Trump, again, keeping you know a great deal of support despite basically driving the party off the cliff for the last three election cycles. And you have the House uh, doubling down on woke culture and CRT, and, and you got DeSantis burning books in Florida, and, uh, and, and his new appointee to the Higher Education Committee in the state wants to purge Florida's universities of liberals. I mean, it is, it, they down, they're sort of like doubling down on a thing that cost them a midterm election where they should have won. Didn't cost them a 50-50 election narrowly. 
they had like a 10 point advantage just by the fact that it was a midterm election and Joe Biden's numbers sucked. Yet they lost that election and here they go. So yeah, yeah, you have Mitch McConnell who is an a-hole on pretty much everything. He's right. the reason we are, we are where we are today. And, and abortion was a big factor in the midterm election. That's on, on McConnell because- That's on McConnell. Justices are his. He's the one that blocked Democratic appointees to the, to the Supreme Court, allowing that strong conservative majority. So he's suddenly realizing that, man, I, I should have voted for impeachment. Uh, maybe we should have let Obama have uh, Justin Garland on the Supreme Court. Like, maybe I should have done those things. And they, they'd be in the majority right now. Undoubtedly, they'd be in the majority right now. So he's thinking, OK, how do I mitigate the damage I don't know if he has enough self-awareness to to admit to himself that he's the root cause of a lot of this. But at the very least, he's thinking we cannot continue going down this path. And so you have the situation, which is still blowing my mind, where he's agreeing with Biden on Ukraine. He's agreeing with Biden on the debt limit. Uh, he's agreeing yep. with Biden on some other things that I, you know, like every. He, was at a, he, he did that photo op with him and the uh, the bridge that goes between uh, between <laughs> Ohio and Kentucky. Right. I mean, is yeah. that right? Uh, yeah. I can't remember the name of the bridge, but, but he, he that was that. part of the infrastructure spec package. Yep. Right. He he told, you know, he was saying that Rick Scott, he agreed with with Biden that cutting security was a bad idea. And how could Rick Scott get reelected senator in Florida if he was going to gut Social Security? I mean, he sounds yeah. like one of ours and I don't want him. But if it means that they're going at each other the way they are. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. So you have the old establishment. I know you don't want to call them the establishment. Let's call them the yeah, old they're, establishment. They're kind of like the old establishment. Yeah, the, the old establishment going after MAGA, and then you have DeSantis and Trump going after each other for the MAGA vote. I mean, they're going for right. the same for the same pot right there. Right. And and so it's created a situation where, yeah, if you're a Democrat, you can just sort of sit back and, and watch the show unfold. We have no say in it. It's not like we can influence it in any way. So, you know, um, so there's, I guess it's fun to sit there and enjoy it. But I do wonder, Carrie, and I'm curious what your thoughts on this, did Tucker Carlson shoot himself in the face by releasing that video or that that really slanted, dishonest, lying segment on the tourist at the Capitol Hill? Because the reaction from a lot of Republicans is, has been fierce. They are pissed. Yeah. This is not a question of like, oh, we have a mild disagreement. They are livid. And I do yeah, wonder but- if if uh, Tucker Carlson overstepped and particularly in the context of the Dominion lawsuit, where we already found out that all those Fox news personalities knew they were lying about the big lie and did so anyway, because they wanted to keep the audience from moving on to Newsmax or one American news network. Well, this is, this is such a typical MAGA playbook though, right? When, when anybody else would say, oh, my God, it's time to retreat. Oh, my gosh, we should, you know, we should be careful what we sh- say and what we do. Instead, you just come out and you completely double down on totally, you know, ridiculous nonsense um, on one of the things that has been probably most highly followed and most highly publicized over the past year, which is how violent the attack on the Capitol was. And this is just it's, you know. I, I don't know at what point these guys are going to get their comeuppance, right? Is that the Dominion suit by most accounts isn't going to cost Fox enough to undo them, even though it could cost them billions. It's also it's also not a slam dunk case. It's really hard 
to prove defamation, even though there's an abundance of, uh, you know, evidence here. It's not it's still not slam dunk. So we don't I might I might disagree with that. But but the courts can always go in directions you don't expect them. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I just don't know. I just know the people who have covered defamation cases are like like one in 10 every, you know, succeeds. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it's it's never. The problem with defamation is that it's hard to prove that that actual malice. And in this case, they literally have the emails from Fox News executives saying, yeah, we know it's a lie, but we need to keep the, the ratings. So, right. Uh, Except for some the of difference. them, like Maria, what's her name? Bart Bartonomo or whatever her name is. I can't even remember her name. Yeah. She like may have been actually stupid enough to believe the Sidney Powell stuff. I mean, you know, like the, <laughs> there might be, you know, like you might be able to get one, but not the other. It's hard to know for for sure. But in any case, I'm just saying, like, you're asking me to make a judgment about whether Tucker Carlson has gone too far. And I don't think Tucker Carlson will have gone too far until MAGA becomes something that has gone too far. Mm. Right. And it, the reason Republicans keep going on Fox and they can't rid themselves of Fox is the same. And even, and even some Democrats for a while. I mean, now there's, you know, this discussion among Democrats should we even ever be going? Oh should we advertise? God. Should we be doing anything on Fox? Because it's so clearly just a re- arm of the Republican Party now. As long as Fox wields sort of the power it does with this audience that is just like, you know, mainlining all of these, like all of this conspiracy BS and, you know, delusional stuff that they come up with. As long as it has the pull in the Republican Party and continues to, you know, what what Tucker wants to do is maintain a hold on the MAGA base and the MAGA base is going to eat up that footage. They're going to yeah, eat it yeah. up. Yep. And 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 I, actually, in some cases, Trump has been warring with Fox a little bit because he thinks he's they've been giving DeSantis too much coverage. Can you believe that? Yeah. So in some cases, Trump has been saying things like, you know, if it were a real news organization, it wouldn't it wouldn't be focusing on DeSantis in this like little piddly press conference it had. It would be focusing on me and my press <laughs> conference. You know what I mean? It's like so yeah. so he, so he's been he's actually been lumping DeSantis and Fox News together as establishment. He'll change on a dime if suddenly Fox News starts covering him more and covering him as the front runner of the campaign. No, I do wonder, though, if if Mitch McConnell, who's who's buddy buddies with Rupert Murdoch and Rupert Murdoch in those Dominion emails clearly expresses unease at the lies and allowing those lies to go. What happens if Mitch McConnell says, Rupert, you're you're killing us like we, we can't have this Tucker stuff anymore. Tucker, I mean, I guess he'll find maybe he'll find a home at Newsmax. I don't know if they can afford him. I mean, he'll he'll land somewhere if although, you know, Bill O'Reilly, I mean, we don't hear him. He's got his podcast. But does anybody give a damn what Bill O'Reilly says? I mean, the platform from Fox News maybe actually matters. But I do wonder if there's a point now where that where where it's at the executive level where where, uh, McConnell and Kramer and all those guys are basically telling Rupert Murdoch that this has to end and and that they pull. And then if they do pull Tucker Carlson, that's going to be quite the. uh, quite the fireworks there. So I don't think we're done here. I think this is getting vicious and they're angry at each other. And there's no sense of collegiality or civility. They really see themselves as enemies. Like I I don't even see this level of vitriol against other Democrats, how angry 
they are they are at each other and yeah. uh so it's it's i mean i love it it's yeah delicious. no it, it's no it's delicious and and there's no way that this is gonna they're gonna like you know rally around each other and find a way to make the you know make this a a, a an easy situation going into 2024 they are going to be at each other's throats and especially if trump wins the nomination or even doesn't win the nomination, but is still in contention for it. And Senate Republicans are playing big on in the primaries and trying to make sure that they have real candidates that can win in the primaries. That is going to get so contentious and so scrappy and nasty. Now, let's not leave our listeners and viewers without one more uh, pillar of this of this whole, you know, GOP uh, array of things happening, which is the the principles first, the never Trumpers who also <laughs> gathered across town. CPAC, I think, was in, in Maryland. So and uh, and yeah. And, and in downtown D.C., we had the principles first people gathering. And you just have to you have to appreciate this. I mean, my favorite quote comes from Barbara Comstock. OK, she's a former GOP representative. She represented Northern Virginia, I think. Um, mm-hmm. She is. She was like a rising political star in the Republican Party, and then she got swept out in 2018 as the whole anti-Trump wave came. And she's now, you know, speaks a little too much truth and is a little too old, old-time establishment, right? Um, and she, she, her, basically, her political star, which was rising has plummeted and she has no political future at the moment, none. So here she is, you know, at this never Trumper thing with other people commiserating, like, you know, probably, probably Sarah Longwell was there. Bill Crystal was there, um, you know, longtime neocon and conservative sort of thought leader or whatever. Um, and uh, Adam Kinzinger, Kinzinger, who was on the uh, January 6th committee, uh, former Air Force uh, is veteran, um, so these are the type of people who are there and they're just, you know, the, let me just give you a little bit of flavor. The panels that they're having are things are, that they're at this event are things like, can the GOP survive? Like that is a name of the panel. Here's another name of the panel. Look into 2024, hope and despair, but mostly despair. <laughs> I mean, that is, these are the names of the panels at this at this principles first. I mean, it is, it is Hunter S. undoubtedly could have done a better job. Yeah. Yeah. It is like <laughs> undoubtedly a, a, a pity party and it's a sad little cohort of people. But the one thing that they can appreciate is how, what a dismal, horrific showing the MAGA candidates that Trump picked had in, in 2022. So they quote Barbara Comstock as saying is like they're talking to her in a this is a, I think Politico was talking to her in a um, you know at the event and she says of, of the CPAC event right they ask her about this and she says well it's all Loserville over at CPAC <laughs> Loserville and you know what she may have no political future but she's not wrong they have (laughs) lost and lost and lost so you mean you know they may be partying it up over at maga there might be you know champagne and lots of red hats and you know uh um, merch and you know they're having a big time over there but they're a bunch of losers and she's exactly right about it um so it i just 
sort of love that. But, you know, let me just read a quote from, you know, Adam Kinzinger. I mean, this is like, uh, he was in the Air Force. He said, I had my co-pilot in the war that told me I should have just stayed a pilot because I'm a terrible politician. And he was ashamed to have fought with me. That was his co-pilot in the Air Force. You know, I mean, this is this is the price that these people have paid for, you know, trying to have some sort of reality-based pro-democracy stance within the Republican Party. Um, and so um, the one thing I would say is, we may not agree with them on much, but we can agree with them on the Constitution. We can agree with them on being pro-democracy. And we can certainly agree with them on the fact that everyone over at CPAC, and it's a bunch of loserville's over there. So, <laughs> that so. is that is our show. What a better way to close it. I can't think of any better way to close the show. So that is our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Carrie, thank you so much for guiding us down this path through, through Republicans the Republican Civil War. Thanks to Walter, our producer. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes that helps make this show happen, like Paul and Kara. And thank you, the viewer, listener, reader, for being part of the Daily Coast community, whether it's at dailycoast.com, whether it's with the brief, this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and being part of this movement, fighting for our democracy. We are going to need to gear up again here pretty soon. But for now, we get a a brief moment to enjoy the Republican infighting. And so let's enjoy that before we actually have to suit back up and head out into the political battlefield. So thank you so much for being part of that journey. Thank you for joining us today. And hopefully we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye.